Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If you're a P1, P2, or P3, go ahead and join the Pre-Residency Audio Academy. Uh, if you find in a couple weeks that uh, you were not selected for a residency, I do have a Phase 2 cover letter course uh, where I can turn around a uh, letter of intent in 24 hours. Uh, what I want to talk about today is withdrawing from the match. And uh, there's been a lot of popular posts recently about it uh, and kind of dig into it and uh, figure if you should withdraw or if you should be confident in your decision uh, to go with the match. So let's talk a little bit about why you would do that. And uh, I think there are quite a few um, good reasons that you might think about it. Most of them are going to, uh, really it's, it, it does come down to one sense to, to the money. Um, you're talking about getting paid forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, whatever it is, but a fraction of what you would make if you were not a resident. And then when you break it down by the hour, uh, because uh, you're going to be working more than forty hours, that actual pay per hour is much less. So again, you know, it seems like it's an evil thing to take the money, uh, but you've uh, certainly spent enough trying to get there. Uh, so certainly the money is one thing. Another thing is that, you know, you've been in school for so long, you just want to get a job. And I remember that feeling. I actually, when I was uh, in my kind of last uh, year, I really was kind of done with the city. And so I lived in Baltimore City, uh, downtown, uh, for the first uh, couple months, I actually lived right across from the pharmacy school. And then I moved into uh, dorms, which have been since... Uh, raised uh, that building's no more uh, but I lived in the dorms and then I moved in with a couple of guys from the dorm floor for the last two years but I lived in the city I mean walking distance from Camden Yards where Orioles play walking distance from where the Ravens uh, would play eventually and I was just burnt out and I was just so excited to you know sometimes drive up to Towson or to UMBC or just to do anything to get off campus and I even took classes at those colleges just to just to get out of the city. And it was, you know, uh, it, was, it was nice. But then I also needed kind of a break during the um, during Appies. And one thing that the school that I went to did, which was kind of nice, is that electives weren't as long as a proper Appy. So a regular Appy is 40 hours a week, five weeks. The one that I did it's only three days a week and what I did was I compressed them all so that I could have a week of vacation and what I did was I went to Arizona in August amazingly cheap <laughs> to do that and I I mean it was so hot I couldn't even you couldn't even there's nobody around the pool because it was so hot to even touch the concrete around the pool but what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of get an idea of where I might be moving to because I, I was done with Maryland for a while and I, I just wanted to get out of there. Uh, I had gone out of state for two years of pre-pharmacy, came back to Maryland um, for uh, pharmacy or for, you know, finish up pre-pharmacy, then went to pharmacy school there. And I was in my fourth year and I was I was kind of had some wanderlust. I wanted to get out of there and and Arizona and California were calling. And I went to Arizona, I went to Phoenix area, then I went to Tucson, and I was going to go to California and check it out, but I just kind of fell in love with the Tempe area. It was uh, right by Arizona State, and uh, for whatever reason, I felt Tucson was too sleepy, 
Uh, it's not a small place by any means, uh, but the number of stores in the company I was going to go to was smaller. And uh, as you'll find out, the more stores you have, the easier it is to kind of get shifts, pick up shifts, all those kinds of things if you're working in retail. So uh, kind of getting back to the, the story here, um, I really needed those mental health breaks and I, I took them because I was working while I was in school. And so it was like, okay, we've got pharmacy during the day. I'll work downtown at Pizzeria Uno as I was a waiter. And then I also worked at a retail. Uh, it was Giant Food at the time and it's a grocery store. So I was just burnt out and really happy to kind of have this destination, almost a reward really, uh, for finishing pharmacy school to have this kind of time out there. And I remember I got in a, in the summer, I just got an apartment and I was like, I just want a pool there. I just want it to be really cool. And, and because it was near ASU, um, most of the people moved out so I could just sublease for super cheap. And I had like a four bedroom to myself. It was awesome. Uh, for that, you know, that summer. And it was just really cool, really something to look forward to. And I think that if you're thinking about withdrawing because you're just exhausted, that's a very different thing than withdrawing because you don't want to do it and you have a better opportunity. So my blanket recommendation, you know, as I kind of go down this list, is that you should go to something, not away from something. So when you look on, I think it was Reddit that I saw one of these posts where it had almost 100 upvotes, which is pretty, pretty significant in pharmacy residency world. Like anything over 50 is pretty big. Uh, close to 100 is really big. And I think what a lot of people were saying was, man, that would be really nice to, to be able to make that decision and, and to be confident in that decision. And so there's quite a bit of conversation going on. But the second part, make sure that your mental health exhaustion is is it because you've been going year round at a three-year program is it because you've been living in the city and just want to get out of the city is it because you're tired of living check to check and you just want to have a paycheck that's significant um and i don't know i i think that residency especially community residency is not residency though if you're going to a community residency generally those are daytime hours uh, and they're not even open some some of the times that other residents at the hospital are working. Uh, so it kind of depends on what you're doing. Uh, and if it's one of those work 12 days off two days, absolutely brutal to, you know, no staffing at all. And that may seem crazy, but that's just how it is. So make sure that if you're kind of withdrawing that you're moving towards something that you've got this job that you're really happy with uh, yeah it's got the money and um, yeah you know you're, you're good with it um, so the other thing that in this job market is that sometimes people are getting the jobs in the hospitals uh, without the residency and yeah they're saving some jobs for the residents that are coming out in July uh, but there are still some other positions that may be available to you as a new graduate and that might be something that you say, well, this is all I really want. Now, when it comes to getting your board certification, you have a little bit of a different road because the resident can just take the BCPS where you have to have three years of clinical stuff that you are doing uh, to uh, qualify to take the BCPS. But you both end up at the same place. And once you're 
board certified, the residency part doesn't really matter as much. Uh, it may for those super specialties like PGY2 and cardiology or something like that. But in, if you're talking about just trying to avoid PGY1 and getting a hospital job, then, you know, go for it. Um, some people are finding that the opportunities post-residency don't seem to match the extra. So you're going into pharmacy school and then you're doing this extra but your job that you're going to get or your career that you're going to have is not extra. And I understand. I, I get that you might just say, all right, well, you know, I, I just want to do this. And it looks like I'm going to get to do this. There's an opportunity right now uh, where I want it. And that's probably one of the big thing for many of you. Uh, that's the deal. So when you're you know, applying to pharmacy school, you probably only applied between two and three places, or at least that's what the data show and you were very hyper-focused on geography. And that may or may not be true as you graduate, but if you are and there's a job there, it's awfully tough to turn down that job. And then I, I think that really it comes down to that last piece, which is I'm just tired of making pharmacy first. I want to have some time for me. I want to have a relationship. I want to have a family. I want to see my family if I already have one. I just want to be done. And I get that. And the, the kind of counter argument to that is, well, it's only a year. Yeah, I get it. And you'll always have the PGY1 and you're done. Or you'll always have the PGY1 and the PGY2 and you're done. But it's kind of a very personal decision. But again, if you're moving towards something, go for it. If you're moving away, maybe kind of hold off. Uh, and see what the match gives you. Now you're bound to the match. Uh, once you match with someplace, you know you've you've kind of said, you know this is this is where I'm going to go. Um, so uh, you want to be very clear about that. Uh, the thing I I am not sure about though is the whole withdrawing from it, like technically withdrawing. Like if you don't rank any programs by default, you have withdrawn from, you know the match. You have not ranked anybody and they might have ranked you. So I'm not clear on what information the site gives. Uh, the posts that I saw said that it's you know, courteous to say you withdrew from the match. But when I hear that, and when I would feel as someone who gets that email, is that that's someone who quit. And I'm not sure if you wanna be someone who quit uh, because you might come back the next year like, oh, what a big mistake that was. I should have done the residency. And then you apply all over again. And then they're like, didn't you quit last year? Didn't you withdraw from the match? Uh, so I don't know. I think not ranking anybody is maybe uh, a decent decision uh, in terms of what to do and how to do it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about why um, you might... Uh, also withdraw or why you might not go into phase two and this might sound very critical and I've talked about quality of you know pharmacy schools and and why some pharmacy schools don't get matches and why some pharmacy schools do and there's kind of a, a cruel cruelness to it that the students think they're the you know they're they're good but they're really not compared to other people based on the data that comes out you know, from, the, from the NAPLEX and things like that. 
So I've got in front of me, and I won't mention the school, and I'll be very vague about this, but for three years, um, these students have earned around a 3.5, okay? But their pass rates on the NAPLEX have been in the bottom 15%. So compared to each other, they feel like, oh, well, look at that. Most of us are, you know, three fives. We're really smart. We're in pharmacy school. And the retention rate is extremely high. That is, nobody quit. Or they, they just kind of kept passing and kept passing with their, their three fives. And when they got to the NAPLEX, though, uh, they were in the 70s and 60s. And you say, well, that's kind of a C or D, right? No, it's like a super F. Um, they're in the bottom 15% to bottom 10% of 142 to 145 pharmacy schools. So not only did you fail relative to the other ones, you are actually a low F. And again, not trying to be critical, but I'm just saying that this is a group of people who were led into pharmacy school <clears throat> while it's the acceptance rates are above 80%. They're getting grade point averages of 3.5. But when they go to take a test that has an average success rate of, of 88% or a little bit higher than that, that it just seems they should be doing better, right? So again, I've talked about the kind of rec versus uh, select in soccer where the rec kids think they're great because they're winning rec games and the select kids think they're okay because they're winning some select games. But if that select team ever met that rec team, they would annihilate that rec team, not by like a little bit, but like where people are crying, just finish the game, be over, that kind of thing. And the reason is that they've just been trained at a higher level. They've trained against players that are a higher level. But in that bubble, in that rec bubble or in that select bubble, um, they don't meet. There's no Venn diagram with them together. So as they're coming out and they're like, I don't understand, you know, why, why should my school matter so much? Well, your school matters so much because historically you've been in the bottom 10 or 15 percent of NAPLEX scores and that's one of the only criteria we actually have uh, to do any measuring. Now notice that you've applied to residency and there's no criteria for them. There's no rankings of residencies. You just kind of go well this is a good hospital so it's good residency and that may or may not be true. So let me talk a little bit about that kind of part of it in terms of you know um, what's happening with accreditation. So there's a point of growth that becomes very difficult to manage. Uh, a residency is only accredited, as far as I know, every eight years. So a lot can happen in those eight years unless there's some report. I know they have to send in reports and things like that. But my understanding is there are, I think, nine or ten full-time people. And then they don't call them adjuncts. Uh, they have a different word for them, but there's like the lead surveyor, which is a full-time job, but then it's called, yeah, so a, a contract surveyor. And so it's kind of like an adjunct professor, I believe, because when I look at their biographies, it says that they have a full-time job 
And if you do the math where it's like 2,100 sites and, you know, some sites are huge and some sites are smaller and you divide that by eight years divided by 20 people, it works out to be a little over one site a month per person. And that is a lot um, when you think about all of the stuff that comes in and all the things that they have to do. So what I'm, what I'm kind of saying is that there's now we're kind of at a tipping point where you're going to find that some of them, some of the residencies are excellent, but we're seeing that a group of students left or said they're not going to go to an interview and multiple students did this and it must have been the the thought is something was wrong with the site and then it got out what it was that was wrong and uh, they just canceled the interview very short uh, time from the actual interview time so i think we're going to see a lot more bumpiness as we kind of go along the road here and you can even look up what it is that's most likely to be a problem with a residency site um, usually the the pro the biggest problem um, is well there, there's a bunch of them but uh, some of the biggest problems is that is the documentation so these rpds have to document so much stuff and they have to update it and they have to keep up with it and generally they do it quarterly over the year for every resident that's there also a lot of times the preceptors aren't necessarily developed so the rpd might be great but the actual preceptors are pretty new to the deal and it's a lot of ojt and they're not really being developed as they go along so if you're like yeah i didn't really have a good experience with this preceptor well they may just not have been trained properly and again you know if you're only checking these out x number of times per eight years um, and there's got to be reports in between there um, it's very difficult to do but i saw that a bunch of the um the assessors are working remotely so i'm wondering you know are they actually going and seeing these people and seeing the conditions uh, that uh, these residents are going under so again you can look up all of those things i don't want to bash the the accreditation process it's important to be accredited it's important to have that but i just want to tell you that just because someone is accredited doesn't mean that they are at the same standard as other sites. And when somebody says, I had a great experience, and you're saying you're having a terrible experience, it probably comes down to a breakdown in getting those things that need to be done that would make the accredited site good. So uh, unfortunately, you know, you don't really get those rankings though, because you could easily do the data and say, well, this site is completely compliant with all of the parts of accreditation. And then these areas have very partial compliance uh, and really struggling to you know, design um, things, whether it's service to the patient, whether it's the residency program, or whether it has to do with um, you know, the, the, the situation that the residents have. So I, I didn't want to get too negative with this, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, when it comes to deciding whether or not to, to not do a residency, um, you may find that the ones that you applied to are really just not there. And there has been tremendous growth in residency. I mean, 300 or 400 a year. 
Uh, and that is a ton to keep track of. And it's also a ton to get going. Like it takes time for this to work out. There's going to be a couple of residents that need to go through until you kind of get it. When you teach your first class, it's tough. So again, my final word on this is if you're going to withdraw, withdraw because you're going somewhere, not because you're moving away from somewhere. Um, so uh, need help from me, residency.teachable.com. Uh, again, uh, if you're P1, P2, P3, hit the Pre-Residency Audio Academy. Uh, if you are in phase two and want to kind of go down that road, uh, I can get your LOI um, done within 24 hours. All right, wish you the best. Tony the Pharmacist at gmail.com.